Welcome back to the Buttoned Up Podcast. We're joined today by Barnett Holston, a.k.a. the DC Fashion Fool. Barnett, how's it going? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? Doing well. Yeah, we've known each other for a few years now. I think we met... Well, actually, we we can't remember because we have different versions of this, but we met at some sort of uh, blogger like press event in D.C. Um, I think it was either Indochino or Blank Label or something. I know it was the Grooming Lounge. The Grooming Lounge, right? The Grooming Lounge, and then we uh, we got to hang out at the Menfluential Conference a couple times. We actually saw each other kind of recently at the Menfluential Conference, um, and it's been really cool to see your brand grow and, uh, and to see what you're doing with the DC men's fashion community. Um, but our, our listeners really like to get into like who you are and, and why you started your brand. So if you could just tell us like, you know, where'd you grow up and what were you doing before the DC fashion fool? Um, sure. Um, well, um, I grew up in DC. I'm from DC, hence DC fashion fool. That's how I got my name. I, um, I went to school for finance, uh, moved away for a couple of years, hated it, and moved back to D.C. So um, I've always been in finance or in banking, and that's kind of pretty straightforward and things like that. But I always had this kind of passion for the, you know, learning about fashion and things like that. So I bluffed my way into writing about fashion for a couple of publications. And next thing you know, um, people were asking me about my style and my and where I found things. And so I just decided, hey, why not do it? And I went to Fashion Week and uh, I went with one of my friends and she said, nobody's ever going to read a blog or follow your Instagram unless you get in front of a camera. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. That kind of that kind of sucks. So, and next thing you know, uh, one of my pictures got picked up by Saks and here I am. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Wait, where did you move when you moved away? Um, well, I went to school in Delaware. Uh, I lived outside of Philly for about a year and a half. Okay. Okay. And then you came back to D.C. and, and, that's, and that's home. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I grew up in you know outside of DC in Silver Spring, so very much a uh, you know a Mid Atlantic East Coaster as well. Um, you know when when you first started, when, what, like when was this? Are we like in the mid two thousands or when was this? Uh, well, I had a blog for a long time, and I was actually talking to a friend the other day, and she said that she's been blogging since two thousand ten. I went back and looked; my first blog post was two thousand five. Wow. It was it nothing, no pictures. It's just I think maybe it's like a thirty second read. And I went I went back to read it to see if it still held up. It's still okay, so I'm all right with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean back back then, like there weren't since you know Instagram wasn't a thing, and um, even pre YouTube, like you know content wasn't so media rich. So like a lot of it was just writing, e- even in like the men's fashion space. So I think that was kind of normal. Yeah, it was. It was. It's just basically what I said is like, hey, you know, I have a I. I like fashion. I want to talk about it. This is just my musings and just follow along. And I wasn't really, I don't say that I was really active, not a lot of content, maybe once a month or, you know, whenever I felt like it, sometimes more heavier than not. And, you know, the only people that read it was my family and like maybe a couple friends. Yeah. That's how it starts. <laughs> what, why were you into fashion in the first place? Um, I don't know. I think I kind of got it from my, my parents. My mom was, um, she'll, den- she'll deny it to her dying day, but she did a little bit of modeling and she was always kind of attuned to it. And my dad was pretty, um, I mean, not so much fashion oriented, but always concerned about how he looked and, and the care of his clothing. I can remember, you know, like every Saturday, all the shoes that he wore, 
he would get them out and polish them. And he taught me and my brother how to polish our shoes and stuff like that. Not that I wouldn't cheat and sneak mine in his closet and let him polish them for me, but you know, it was stuff like that. I mean, he was fanatic about things like that. I mean, you know, he had, he, he had some, so his shoes, you know, certain brands he would wear, he never wore the same ones, you know, over, over the next day, he would always switch shoes. They were always in shoe trees. And I kind of, kind of, looked at that and then my mom was you know she she was very fashionable i remember she um <laughs> i remember i saw when i was in i don't know elementary school or high school or something i saw one of my teachers had the same dress on my mom's like uh i'm putting it in a goodwill and she did the next day <laughs> and she she was like always count the number on the rack that means there's too many if there's a lot <laughs> Yeah, she she sounds like a a fun mom. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty crazy. Yeah, and I mean your style, I'd say for for contemporary standards, is definitely a little bit dressed up. Do you think that comes from your parents? Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, my dad had a nine to five when he was working, and so he wore a suit every day. And then in church on Sunday, he had a suit. My mom, you know, always pretty fashionable, but she was uh, she was my mom worked too. And when I grew up, a lot of the women in our, my neighborhood, they were all stay-at-home moms. So, you know, my mom would wear, like, weird stuff to church. I remember that, and everybody would always kind of look at my mom crazy, but then they would all copy her style. And I always thought that was <laughs> kind of cool. Yeah, funny how that works with guys, too. Uh, you know, your, your friends will kind of kind of give you a little flack when you start, uh, you know, stepping up your game. And then next thing you know, they're asking you what kind of suit they should wear for their wedding. Yeah, or where'd you get that, or how can I find that? That happens all the time. All right. <laughs> Okay, so so you started the DC Fashion Fool blog. You were just writing. You went to your first New York Fashion Week, and a friend convinced you to take some pictures. And then one got picked up by Saks. Yeah, yeah, it was on it's on Instagram. I, I bought this coat. Uh, it came from Billy Reed. I'll never forget. It. I still wear that coat. And um, I was just kind of you know how they do like the best looks of Fashion Week or Street Style or something like that. I'm looking and I'm like. Here's the here here I am. They didn't know who I am. I was like, here's this dude in this coat we love, and you know it was pre- it was pretty cool. It was pretty boss. That's awesome. And so was that like a game changing moment for you? It was. It was just a way to to say, me, hey, maybe I should do this because before I would just if I was if there were any pictures on the blog, I would you know I was clipping them from wherever I could find them, or I would go into stores around the area and it's like, hey, this is what I like for spring, and take the pictures off the mannequins and stuff like that. And, you know, that's how I did it. But, you know, nobody really paid attention. And then it's around that time, Instagram was starting to be really big and there were some big players. And I said, hey, why not? Why don't I try to do it instead of showing, you know, the three pairs of shoes that I saw at some store? Why don't I show myself in those shoes? Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. It is, as you know, it's like it's a whole different level of effort when you you know start including photos, original photography in your content. And especially if you you know, if you want to have original photos for Instagram on a regular basis, like how, how did that work? Did you just have friends that were handy with a camera or did you take your, take selfies or what? God, I'm trying to think. Um, fortunately, I think maybe I did a couple selfies right away, but in DC around that time, a lot of the girls were doing a lot of stuff on Instagram and I'm friends with a whole bunch of them. So I would get them to take my pictures. So it was was pretty smart, you know, right away. One of them said, get this camera and all the girls had the same camera. So if I brought my camera, they could just shoot me and I would have my disc when I was ready to go home. And then I just fumbled around editing. Nice. Yeah. It's, it seems like, um, the, 
the women's fashion scene was definitely more prevalent, especially in DC before the men caught on. Oh, that, oh yeah, it's crazy. I mean, there it, it's it's so it's so saturated and so grown that you know there are all these groups around, but they've all splintered because you know they all hate each other now. But <laughs> it, it's it's pretty interesting. So I would just get be friends with all of them and just learn all their secrets. You know, um, I remember when I decided that I was going to do it. Uh, one of the girls was like, hey, we have this weekly blogger group come join us and every day you know it was every tuesday you did stuff from 12 to 4 and they would say okay this is what seo means this is this is how you take a picture this is what you should put in your in your blog and and i just stole all that stuff from them yeah (laughs) that's yeah but you know it's all that stuff like you know seo i mean that's that's stuff that if you're interested in fashion you start a fashion blog that's stuff that no one tells you unless you seek it out you know or unless you have friends that that are also in the industry dude it's crazy i i am um, I'll, I'll never forget we were sitting there it was it was about me and a buddy of mine there was us and maybe like eight girls and we we're all one of them was like a drill sergeant she's like you guys can't goof off you've got to like put out content and we're like oh yeah yeah and another girl goes like and check your seo and we're like se what and then they're like and then i'll never forget that and then she's like all right get this plug in and go to get this yo's plug in i'm like okay i can make the light green that's not that hard right (laughs) yeah yeah it's funny because that that same stuff still works these days (laughs) yeah you have it's crazy you don't you know i mean you just think about you think you have something to say whether people like it or not but you think you have a voice and you want to do that but then there's all this behind the stuff scenes that you have to do because you think all right you know, even with a Instagram post or with whatever it is, you're just like, I'm going to put out this great content. Everybody's going to love it. Everybody's going to read it. Everybody's going to you just fawn over it. But then it, you put it out there and it goes nowhere. And you're like, oh, crap, there's all this other stuff I have to do to, to get eyes on it. Right. Yeah. Cre- creating, you know, good content, whether it's written or, or photography video, that's just the first part. And then, then you have to promote the content. Yeah. That's the one thing I never I never even thought about. It was just like, all right. You know, even even with an Instagram picture, you're like, this is my best picture and everybody's going to love it. And you put it up and and it does crappy. And then you put up something really crappy that does really well. And you just there's all these other things that fall into play that you have to think about that I never really thought about when I first started. Yeah. Well, you, you were writing, you know, well before Instagram was a thing or popular. So when Instagram first came out, did you like immediately see the potential and just and just jump right on it? No. not at all it was funny because um i had a couple of friends who were doing it i'm like yeah i'll do it whatever and i remember i was tweeting my and i don't have a huge um twitter following i don't do it as well as i probably should but i would tweet out okay this is my outfit of the day i would tweet it out sometimes with a picture sometimes not and then a friend of mine was putting his stuff on instagram and then you know how you know how competitive we get (laughs) <laughs> you know, all of a sudden he had like, I don't know if he had like 5,000 followers and I had like maybe 30. I'm like, there's no way he can have more followers than me. And it, it, just became, <laughs> it just became a competitive thing. And so, you know, it was probably the wrong reasons, but it got me started. And that's kind of what did it. Hey, whatever motivates you, you know, com- competition can be a great motivator. <laughs> oh, yeah. I still have that competition with him, too. So Nice. Yeah. And I mean, Instagram for you, for you now is definitely one of your big platforms. So uh, that seems to be a platform that you're very like bullish on and investing a lot of time and energy into. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that, um, I'm, 
going to start doing some other things. I'm trying to reinvent, not so much reinvent, but work on my blog a little bit more because, you know, it's something that I, I have, I own and I can control, you know, last week when Instagram went down and Facebook went down, it was kind of scary. Fortunately for me, I wasn't really, I was kind of slow that day. So it didn't really affect me that much. Uh, but, yeah. you know, seeing all these people panic and stuff like that, I'm like, well, you should have a blog, you should have, you know, you should have a mailing list, you should do that stuff. And people are like, what? I'm like, trust me, you need that stuff. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's one of the things that um, when John and I got to join uh, you in DC and, uh, and talk to the, the DC dapper dudes about, you know, online marketing and, uh, and audience building, that was, that was one of the themes for that day definitely was like, focus not only on platforms like Instagram, but also platforms that you own, like your website and your email list, because you can't ever fully rely on someone else's platform. 100%. And it's really interesting here when you, that you mentioned the DC Dapper Dudes. One of the things that I found was that in DC, you know, for some of the opportunities to come up, uh, I was I was hearing from some brands and stuff. I was like, oh, we don't work with work with people out of DC. I'm like, well, I know mm -hmm. you do because I know people that, that work with you. And then like, well, there's not a whole lot going on. So I decided that, you know, I would scroll, you know, like scour all of Instagram, scour everything, see who was doing stuff and kind of bring the guys together to start doing things. But I'm, I, I, it's good and it's bad because you have people that are, that are really good. There's people that are, that are, do, are a lot more successful than me, but there's some that are up and coming. And, and you know, just to try to show a, a group of guys so brands are interested in has been kind of fun, but, you know, there's there's also some downsides along with it too. So, you know, if you want to take that on, that's just another element that I've been working on. Yeah, well, it's, it's really interesting because like like you mentioned earlier in the, in the women's fashion community, it's oftentimes there's like a lot of competition, a lot of like secrecy about who people are working with and what they're charging and, uh, you've you've kind of taken the opposite approach with with the uh, men's style community in DC, and and you're sort of you know bringing people together and and um, fostering transparency, and I I think it's really cool because I, I've even seen just over the past you know year you you really putting DC on the map. Um, so so how that's obviously like a lot of work. So like what what is the goal for you with with the DC Dapper Dudes? Um. Well. I'm always of the opinion that, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. So that was one of the things that I, I wanted to do. I wanted to say, all right, there are a group of guys that are doing some things. Some of them, like I said, maybe advanced, some of them might not, but you know, they all have unique styles, unique content. And if a brand comes in and says, I want to work with people in DC, there's a, a, a group of people that they can work with. Um, that being said, you know, it, it's, it's, it's it's good. Like I said, it's good and it's bad because some some people think that if if an opportunity comes up, there can only be one. And I've learned that you know people look at my stuff and they say, oh, he works with this brand. I can, and instead of trying to work with the brand with me or you know in conjunction with me, it's like, oh, you should use me instead of him. So there's there's that level of competition that's still around. Um, maybe not so much as the, with the with the it's kind of like that Highlander Highlander view. There can be only one sometimes, yeah. and and it, which is really kind of bizarre for me because a lot of times things come my way that uh, are not going to be for me. So you know, for instance, I'm bald, so um, I get a lot of things 
you know, that, that, that blind pitch is like, we love your Instagram. We love your blog. We want you to work with us. And then you go look at it and it's for hair products. And I'm like, well, uh, I don't think that's me, but yeah. I, I have a buddy that can do it and his stuff is pretty good to use that. But some people aren't that forthcoming about sharing. So that, that's, that's a hard lesson to learn. And I've, I've learned to kind of, kind of factor it and, and being a little more smart about how I put out stuff. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You've worked with some major brands. What was like the first brand that you worked with either for trade or, or for payment where you thought, Oh wow, I could actually like make some money off this or, you know, do some travel or something like that. Um, I did, uh, I did a partnership with IW Harper and that was probably my first big campaign that, that was paid. It lasted, you know, for about a year and a half. And I was just like, wow, you're going to pay me to do this. And this is all I have to do. But, you know, um, one of the things that I know for myself, it's uh, I, I'm like I'm an over deliverer. And sometimes um, I found that when I signed my second second brand, they kind of took advantage of that. So I'm, I'm a little leery about that as well, too. Yeah. You know, I, I think well, I don't, I don't know if you agree with this, but I think from the outside, people will see they'll say, OK, you got paid, you know, X amount to post one picture like that seems like too much money for like not enough work or and I think sometimes it feels like that at least I feel like that too I'm like wow that's you know that that's like maybe this took a few hours to do and it was like a good amount of money but if you really think about it the brands aren't paying for that one picture they're paying for that audience which took years and years of hard work to build you know so I think you gotta you know keep that in mind just how valuable your audience is right yeah you have to think about that and then so I shot a picture I forget who um I forgot who it was for, but, you know, and it was only for an Instagram picture, but come to find out that, you know, people are now seeing it at Dallas airport. It's, it's all over New York mm. and I only got paid for one picture. So yeah. that, that's really weird. And, you know, that's, that was something that I never really thought about. You know, you get, and the picture was done a while ago. So, I mean, not that. I was just happy that it was up and I was happy that it was everywhere. But, you know, even now, like somebody came back from New York, he's like, dude, you know, your pictures at the subway station. I'm like, no, I have no idea. You know, (laughs) it's kind of weird. That was a good deal for that brand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, one thing that, um, again, kind of like behind the scenes is like, if, if you have a contract with the brand and some brands don't have contracts, it's very informal, but you know, some of the bigger brands, especially if you go through an agency, have a contract and usually in that contract, it signs away all of your rights to, to the media that you're creating. And if, if you don't want to do that, then you have to go back and say, Hey, I don't like this part of the contract. Like I, you know, I don't do that sort of thing. If you want licensing, that's, that's an extra cost. Yeah. You have to think about it. But you know, it's weird because I, um, one of the ones I signed with was with McDonald's and let me tell you that contract you have no rights, <laughs> but I wanted to work with McDonald's because it was a big name. Yeah. So, um, and they, and they know that, right? <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and what I did, it wasn't, I mean, it was, I think for like maybe three or four months or whatever like that. But I'm like, I, I, it was, it was one of those big opportunities that I'm like, well, I'm going to do it. I was just starting out and I'm like, well, Hey, why not? We'll see what happens. So, yeah. and I, I figured, well, if I'm agreeable, they'll use me a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's true. I mean, there's definitely something to be said for having like a longer, a longer lasting relationship and kind of pricing accordingly. But like, how do you, you know, without sharing numbers, but like, how do you figure out what to charge for this stuff? Because there's no like standards. Uh, I don't know. 
I don't know. I just had to give rates to somebody else the other day. And, you know, I'm moving forward because I do a lot of one-off type things and I want to do more, you know, longer term contracts. And this is for a longer term contract. And so I kind of take in what I do for a one-off and kind of turn it into, well, what happens if I do it for a year? How do you like discount like a one-off post and said I'm going to do several over the year. So you kind of have to think of it that way. I can always tell if I, if I priced right, if I, if I price wrong, it's, it's always too low because basically once you hit that send and they come back, yes, you know, it's too low. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When they come back immediately, like, sure. When can you have it? You're just like, ah, should have doubled it. <laughs> now, now do you use kind of like a standard, like rate card that you send people or do you just price it uh, based on like how much you want to work with the brand or, or do you do it differently every time? Uh, it's a combination of both. Probably I have a standard rate card. I do have that. Um, if I sense that it's going to be a pain in the ass, um, I'll price like that, you know, cause yeah. sometimes, you know, I got one, I got a request the other day. It's like, what are your rates? I'm like, what are my rates? What do you want me to do? They wouldn't tell me. They're like, it's for a long-term contract and we want to work with you, but I don't know if it's going to be an Instagram. I don't know if it's posts. I don't know if it's what kind of social media. So I'm just like, okay, here are my rates. And they came yeah. back and they like it so far. So I'm like, all right, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed a lot of brands, they'll, they'll say, what are your rates? And, and you know, you, you list them and they say, well, that's too high. I say, okay, how about you just tell me your budget and we'll see, you know, we'll see what I can do for that. Yeah, that's, 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 uh, that's one way. And once I, I did that once and, um, the other time I did it and they said, Oh, it's, it's, it's too high. We can't do it. I'm like, okay, well, thank you. And then like, but we'd love for you to attend our event. And I was like, well, I don't think I'm going to do that. And I didn't hear back from them. And like a month before the event, they said, Oh, now we can pay you and we can pay you more. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> well, yeah, speaking of events, I mean, you seem to have a great relationship with the press. You do, you, you've done press travel. You do a lot of events in DC and New York. So it, you know, to me, it, you do a lot of stuff that I think like up and coming Instagrammers especially want to do. They want to do these press trips. They want to be invited to fashion week. So how, how did you, how did you get that relationship with, with these agencies and with the press? Um, two ways. The first for, um, for fashion week and stuff, I kind of bluffed my way into and said that I could write. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, um, I wrote for this online company that's not in business anymore. They had me send a writing sample and I wrote for them for about a month. And then I said, hey, I want to go to Fashion Week. And they got me credentialed and got me invites. So I'm like, I went. And it was it was a really good learning experience because, you know, if you have a blog, yes, you have your own forced deadlines. But here, if you're getting paid, you're legitimately on deadline. Mm -hmm. So that forced me. And not to say that I'm, I always have that same work ethic all the time because I do work full time. But, um, you know, like, I think the turnaround time was... It was, it was a pretty long turnaround time. It was 48 hours. But if you go see, I don't know, 16 shows in a, in a day, it's hard to turn around 16 articles that fast. So yeah. that was one way. And then second, again, I, I, I go back to the girls who were getting invited to all the events. And they're like, this is what you do. You meet all the PR people. Make sure you know all the photographers. And, you know, because those are the ones that are snapping the pictures that are ending up in all of the publications and that's what I did. And, and, and I made a conscious effort, I don't know, maybe two years ago, if somebody invited me to something, I would say yes and go everywhere and make sure the photographers took my name and took, took my picture so right. I could get, I could get to these events. Right. But hey. that being said though, um, it wasn't just to go to the parties. It's, um, 
I learned really quickly that I can't, uh, my, my forte is not what the girls do. It's like, Hey, look at this, look at this jacket. It costs $20. You can buy it on like to know it, follow that. That doesn't work for me. Um, don't, don't get me wrong. I do do that sometimes because, you know, we all like those affiliate links, but sure. um, I, I find that, you know, it's more like, all right, I'm going to this event. So I have an event coming up. Uh, if you look at my Instagram post today, it's, it's the pink tie parties coming up. So I'm like, what am I going to wear? So I'll do something around. This is what you wear for this event. And that's, that's where I find value because people want to say, all right, I'm doing this around town I'm going to the theater or I'm doing this from the weekend. How do I wear it? I'm not going to tell you maybe not so much about the quality or stuff like that because people have different price points and people have different interests. They just want to know how to look at something. So that's, that's what I focused how I do it. Yeah. So you mentioned, uh, using affiliate links. Is that like a significant part of your business? Not really. I mean, every once in a while I get some money. <laughs> I don't think, um, for me, uh, guys convert like that. You know, um, I work with some brands that when they tell you or give you the links, they're like, don't use anything that's on our, on our sale website. Cause it sold out really fast. I'm like, for me, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I find, I, I look at it more as attracting for the brands for them to see who's coming through, through me, because I feel like I'm more of an education kind of guy in terms of like, Oh, here's a brand you might not have heard of, or this is something I really, really like. And guys may not convert it, but, uh, but they'll go look at it and they'll see it that way. Now, sometimes that that's not the case. Uh, I know I've put up some links for some stuff that's kind of exploded, which has been kind of cool and kind of bizarre because I don't ever expect it, but I don't really expect anything from them. I'll use them if on on my website, I'll use the affiliate links to create ads on, in the ad spaces. So if people click through, I can automatically do stuff or like, uh, don't get me wrong though. In all of my blog posts, nine times out of 10, if I, if it's an outfit post, all everything's going to probably be linked but that's not always the case and I don't really rely on it. Right. Yeah. I, I feel kind of the same way in that it's, it's like a nice kind of supplement, but it's not, it's not the bread and butter right now. And, and I know for, for some publishers, affiliate marketing is the bread and butter. And so it definitely can be. Um, but, but yeah, I, I agree that I don't think guys, I think it's rare for a guy to see like an Instagram story and like swipe up and go buy something, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think people if people are swiping up on my stories, it's usually um, somebody's significant other, their wife or their their girlfriend that, that swiped up and said, oh, I like what Barnett's having, has, and and I'll go get it. I, I, I know for a fact, um, I was hosting an event and I wanted to wear a suit for this event and something that I hadn't seen before. And I was on Amazon and I like this brand that fits me really well that I don't have to get altered. And I mean, it's not really an expensive suit, but all told the suit cost $41 on Amazon. And so <laughs> everybody loved it that night. And I think that every, when, um, when they said, where'd you get the suit? The, I, I said, I got to Amazon. It's this, it's, it's a Paisley and gray. It's whatever. It's, it's really inexpensive. I think I sold a lot of them because I gave everybody that link and everybody bought it that night because for, right. for less than 50 bucks, if it doesn't work out, you know, they don't, you don't lose that much. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've also seen some success with, um, with using affiliate links with like really good sales. I think, you know, most people respond to that because <laughs> it's time sensitive. Yeah. Um, one of the good things that, you know, talking about the DC Dapper dudes and, 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 and groups like that, we all support each other. And so 
one of the things that we talk about is that, you know, we have a, like a group of support right there. So if something's coming up and you know, somebody's, somebody's looking for something, they'll be like, Hey, what's your link? I'll use your link. And that, that kind of helps out as well. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely one of the best ways to, um, you know, you got to remind people to use your affiliate links. I, a lot of people just don't know, like, you know, I got to remember that when I make YouTube videos, like, Hey, you know, great way to support the channel is like use the affiliate links in the description. Cause a lot of people don't even know what affiliate links are. All right. You know, just click my link, you know, you know, there's certain things that people are always going to buy and, and, and if they're not doing it, you might as well say, because you can't, you can't really profit off your own links. So you might as well use somebody else's. Right. Right. So, so when you're, when you're working with these big brands, like, you know, McDonald's, I mean, is that, is that through agencies or do you have a manager? How, how do you get those, those big fortune 500 deals? Um, not at the agency level yet. <laughs> We're working mm -hmm. on that. I've talked to a couple, um, it's interesting, uh, but I usually do, there's a lot of those little, uh, um, I don't know, influencer platforms. I get a lot of stuff off of that. And then I get a lot of things off of, Hey, we've seen you or we refer to you by a friend or something like that. And, and I kind of go from there. Well, what's your favorite platform? Cause there are so many of them. Oh God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whichever one pays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. working one with one with now, but I mean the contracts are good, but I'm still waiting to get get money from them. But you know, if they ultimately pay me, they'll be good. Right. Yeah, I've I've done some some of those, but um, but yeah, I usually try to go direct when possible. Although it is nice having you know having a platform kind of manage the contract and the deadlines and the payment and all that. Yeah, but it's weird though because some of them are really not um, brand or brand or influencer focus they're more on like i can guarantee you i have you know 10 10 10 influencers to sell your product and so they don't really care about you know your content so much it's just like can you deliver what you said you're going to deliver so i've gotten into some issue with that because you know the brand might not like what i've originally created and i've had to get pre-approval but once i get get the approval. I've scheduled it to go at a certain time or scheduled to go out on a certain day. But the, that, that little mar middle market thing, guy in between is like, can you post it now? Can you? I'm like, dude, it's three o'clock in the morning. Nobody's going to look at it. What's the purpose of it? You know? <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it, so you got to kind of walk that kind of fine line with some of these agencies. Right. Yeah. It makes sense. All right. Well, I would love to, uh, run you through the buttoned up rapid fire series. Um, of course we haven't prepared you for this, but are you down? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, short one or two word answers, if you can. Here we go. Oxfords or Brogues? Brogues. Lifting or cardio? Both. All right. Loafers or sneakers? Loafers. Uh, for fashion, uh, spring, summer, or fall, winter? Fall, winter. Nice. A morning shower or evening shower? Morning. Jeans, chinos, or trousers? Uh, um, trousers. Nice. Uh, favorite James Bond actor, if you have one? Uh, Sean Connery. Nice. Classic. <laughs> uh, Always. <laughs> notch lapels or peak lapels? Peak. All right. And then if, if you, uh, for, for suits, navy or charcoal, if you can only have one? Charcoal. Charcoal? Okay. And then last question. When you're, you need to get pumped up for the day, what song are you listening to in the shower? <laughs> i'm not saying because it's so stupid <laughs> <laughs> well 
what what uh what genre how about that <laughs> oh it's, it's definitely dance it's definitely dance dance okay cool nice yeah no you, you did great some people struggle with uh with, with some of those questions so uh good answers and what are you excited about this year just to wrap things up with uh with either dc dapper dudes dc fashion fool or anything else that you're working on um i think for dc fashion fool it's um kind of getting into some new areas i want to do some on-air stuff, a lot more of that. Um, uh, not so much always so fashion-focused, but I'm going to do some stuff on skincare, some stuff on cosmetology, so a whole bunch of different new things, but all around trying to focus still on DC, though. Awesome. And we'll link to all the stuff in the show notes, but where can people go to find you online? Uh, all social media, DC Fashion Fool. DC Fashion Fool. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for listening to the Buttoned Up Podcast, a collaboration between John Shanahan of The Cavalier and Brock McGough of Modest Man, and we will see you next week.